All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Bulletproof Dental Practice Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Peter Bolden, and I have on a guest today, one of the OGs of the Bulletproof ecosystem, someone who's been, haven't you been in the Mastermind two, two years in a row? No, one year, but a joint year. Okay. I'm coming back. Well, Dr. Trey Tippett, if you don't know of Trey, I feel bad for you. I'm kidding. But if you don't know of Trey, he's a uh, practicing dentist with lots of stuff cooking in, in Texas. Trey, what, uh, what area of Texas mainly do you, are you focused in? I know you do a lot of rural um, areas as well, but like what's your, what would be your main scope of where you, where you, where you reside, if you will? So we are pretty focused on the West side of Houston with any of our our city practices and then we have we are rural with half of our practices and that's between houston and austin how many are how many are in your ecosystem as of right now there are six in the ecosystem as of six right now. got it so give a quick if you wouldn't mind just uh, again i was kind of being funny with if you don't know of trey like you should kind of thing is where i was going with that but give a quick background um you know because because where i feel like i know you really well obviously there's people in the in in the listenership who who don't know of you um and, um, you know, I've been really impressed by just getting to know you, your ground game, the way you function and operate. Um, and we're going to get into a topic today that, you know, you said on one of our mastermind calls that I thought was was fascinating. And I shared kind of the same sentiment. We won't go there yet. But give kind of, if you wouldn't mind, a quick background of like how you're here, right? How you are where you are right now. Sure. You bet. Uh, so my dad was a dentist. My mom was a dental hygienist. And uh, I was not smart enough to run the other way. And okay, I got out of dental school in 2008. I bought my dad's practice from him in 2011. And we looked at, we were basically bursting at the seams within a couple of years. And as you started to look at the names of dropping insurances, there were too many stories that we heard, or, you know, that, I, that, I, that I knew or had heard about people and names on the list of that, that first list we looked at. So from that standpoint, uh, we moved forward with the idea that our goal is to treat more people. Mm -hmm. So we ran zip codes, opened a second office within the uh, second zip code in terms of most concentration of out of our immediate area, and then ended up liking it and feeling like we were pretty good at it. So we just kept doing it. And every practice has more or less been a leapfrog of the previous ones, whether it be moving patients to one area or looking at a geographic map, knowing that that's the next logical area that we will draw from our existing draw area. Or existing base, rather. So the plan was always expansion, or did it kind of happen that way just because you started uh, bursting at the seams? Bursting at the seams. The, uh, yeah. Where I am now, I had no idea this was where I would be. So I don't practice dentistry anymore. Um, um, I train, I manage, I look for growth, um, a lot of cheerleading. So, yeah, and, and what I love about the practices, and I'll just kind of, I'll, I'll speak where you're not probably going to brag on yourself, is that you have run a, a giant organization, but you're, but it's not been predicated on home runs versus a lot of practices will, will aim for the fences and be like, I'm going to do all NXs and I'm going to do only veneers and I'm going to do only implants, right? You have built a, a practice and a culture that says, well, let's get a tremendous amount of base hits because we will probably win more games than someone who's going to get up and maybe not have a good game. I'm trying to draw a baseball metaphor there. You see what I was doing? That's all you but, but, but like you are cool with the quote unquote non sexy dentistry, right? Like, let's do some, let's do about a quadrant dentistry. Let's do the crown, you know, let's do the very functional dentistry and be the best at that and then bring that to the masses, if you will. You got it. You nailed okay. it. 
So that, okay. that's exactly what the mindset is, is let's do bread and butter, needs-based dentistry, and let's do it at, at scale. Let's treat oh. as many people as we can. And you know, you have some docs that, that develop interests and they, they pursue those interests and, and implement that into the practice, into their practice and their teams. But for the most part, yeah, I'm not saying that you don't do it. It's just not a core feature of the – yeah, there you go. Correct. Okay, so now we'll jump into kind of the meat is why the, – the genesis of why I wanted to have this podcast and talk to you is because we were – I'll give some context to the audience. I was actually sharing with the um, the mastermind a practice I'm looking at it from an acquisition standpoint, looking at, hey, what do you all think about this? What are you seeing? And kind of just going – using actually the Bulletproof mastermind is almost my own mastermind because there's some really – successful intelligent dentist in there and i want to you know i always say the answer is in the room so we are kind of going through that and right and and, and the, the topic of saturation came up so one of the people in our group said well, well what's the saturation of this practice meaning you know the saturation of dentists and that seems to be a huge metric when you look at demographic research right when you get it specifically for dentists and you get reports run whether it's demographic dentographics or others is that that is a big metric is like, well, well, how many other dentists are in the area? And Trey's comment was like, who gives a shit? Pardon my French. Right? he was like, it doesn't really matter. And you had some kind of good thoughts behind that. And, and so I'm going to shut up and let you kind of expound on why, why it really doesn't matter. Right. It, it, if anything, it's almost confirmation for you. So why don't you go, why don't you go from there? I think I've given enough ground game on that, but like, why don't you expand on your theory there? So when you go and look to buy a practice, that's one of the big metrics. And it's one of the metrics that brokers or you know, real estate guys, anybody that's, that's pitching you that deal, they're going to give you the dentist to population ratio. And I had a doc in dental school tell me this, and it was about Austin in Austin, Texas. He, you know, you heard, you always hear to this day, it's Austin saturated, don't go there. But the town has boomed forever. In which case that just could it always just felt like that doesn't make any sense and one of the things i've asked about him he had practiced there forever and he said there's always room for a good dentist and when you when you really looked at it now doing what i do and looking at data and looking back over trends and and data we've collected in our own practices you start to realize looking at no pay, new patients all of your patients not all but the the majority of your patients come from other dentists mm -hmm. so what do you mean what do you mean because so, they're unhappy one reason so okay. it's, it's really three reasons out of that it, uh, that lead to someone leaving it's it's their dentist dies their dentist okay. retires or okay. they move or they move so, or or move. So it's a geographic okay so new so they so meaning they are new to the area right correct, okay, correct. Got it. okay so that is the that is what you usually see now there is the guy that shows up and says, Hey, I haven't been to the dentist in 20 years. That happens. It's not, I mean, it, but it's the anomaly. It's not, it's the Ms. principle. It's 80, 20. That is not right. the 80. Right. So the chances are that you go into that spot and you're looking for people that say, I've never been to the dentist. I uh, woke up this morning. I decided I need to go for whatever reason. And I decided to come to you are few and far between, which is more likely and kind of the, the, that's kind of the end game of, of focusing too much on or focusing on the metric of dentist to population ratio. Yeah, there's enough patients to, to go around, but in the scheme of things, everybody's coming as a second opinion or for one of those other three reasons. So you want to put yourself in the middle 
of where all the all the action is basically so an interesting another thing i always talk about too and this is gonna this is gonna piggyback on what you just said um is that what the what the demographic studies do not do is they don't quantify the quote unquote real players in the town meaning they just say do you have a dental license and here's the population and here's the math associated with that i contend that really there's only about five percent of dentists in the nation that are really playing the game and what i mean by that is you know they've got an office that looks sharp they're marketing they've got a team that they're building and training they're constantly on the move right they're, they're looking for this year to be better than next year and many dentists are good or they're doing good or doing well by default the fact that they are dentists and there's a scarcity of us meaning that there's only a certain amount of dentists so what I don't like about dentographics reports or demographic reports, I shouldn't, shouldn't pick on them specifically. I'm just, I'm not picking on them specifically. I'm just saying all the reports in general is that it's, it doesn't, it doesn't give qualifications to the people. Meaning that let's say we are looking at two separate cities, right? So situation A is, is there's 20 dentists in this area for a population of a hundred thousand people, 20 dentists, right? So that would give you a ratio of 5,000 to one, which would be a good ratio. Right. But if some of the, if these are all monster practices, right. If these 20 are all monster practices, like Craig's practice per se, right. And these people are all just killing it with social media and they have amazing websites and amazing this, like that's probably them would threaten me more. So even though that ratio at the get looked pretty good, like, Oh, 5,000. All right. That's good. That's doable. But I would be more threatened by the fact that I, I had looked into and dug my, my next level of due diligence would have been well, what do these practices really look like? And holy shit, there's 20 Craig Spodak practices in this town. Maybe this is looking a little more anemic than I thought versus situation B, which may say, okay, there's only 40, for these 20 dentists, there's only 40,000 people in this town, which would give you a ratio of 2,000 to one, okay? Which you'd look at and say, oh, that's kind of on the border. But if you start digging into and looking at all their Google reviews, and their ratings and their website and their practice locations and the way they look and all these things you would you may say to yourself well really only the practice that i intend to do there or the vision of the practice that i tend to acquire and change to is probably going to be the top you know two or three practices in that town so you're not, so it's not a level my, my point is is that the number and i think this is where you're, you go trey is that the number doesn't really tell you a whole lot of information i think it's a good starting point it's something that can either get your attention one way or the other meaning oh this is really awesome or oh this is really bad but i think there's a, always a level two where you dig in and say well who's playing the game sure. right right is or is it just doctors who maybe work at the school you know you know, three days a week and they have their license and therefore the demographics has included them in this population study, but they're really not playing. You know what I'm trying to say? Like oh, yeah, there's yeah. certain dentists who are just not playing the game. All things are not business. crazy is basically the, the gist of that is, you know, one does not equal one. Uh, yes. Thank you. I guess I could have said it that easier. I just want to go into two, a room. Two scenarios, yeah. Trey. So that, uh, yeah, I like, I like your, you painted a pretty picture. Thank you. Uh, yeah, that, that's a very good point. And then you have to dig down to the next level to get the full story on the numbers. The numbers, the numbers are just that. Um, you got to have the meaning behind the numbers to really tell tell that story. And you're exactly right. You don't want to go into a, a relatively, let's say, a town of a hundred thousand with a bunch of of Craig Spodak practices. Right. They're drawing a huge base out of that 
and that's right. hard to with. they are taking a disproportionate amount of people out of that right and so if you have a ton of them yeah the five thousand to one ratio it doesn't look so sexy anymore sure. and it would right. as a matter of fact it'd be really hard to compete against that because of just the consensus of, the, of in the in the uh you know when you get to that critical mass it gets harder to compete against um so you know so, but, but I like where you flip that on your head. In, in, in our mastermind discussion, I thought it was just because it was a kind of a contrarian thought, whereas most dentists, most people I talk to are just they, they look at that metric and then they just take what's given to them. And you said, no, 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 no. That's only part of the picture. And I'm going to flip that on its head. And if anything, I think it gives if there's saturation, meaning success has left clues that says it's a good market to go into. Right? Are you? I mean, I know you're tracking where I'm going, but you're saying like, right. as a matter of fact, there's a store. I remember I went out and did a Hornbrook group. Let's call this circa 2005. I was out in San Francisco before it was it was a hellhole, and um, I should probably bleep that out. Maybe <laughs> we all know where. Yeah, we everyone. I don't. Knows. I don't want to offend my San Francisco friends. <laughs> um, but anyway, there was this building tray. And it had in this high-rise building, I shit you not, I wish I could remember the name of this building. There were over 200 dentists in this one building. Whoa. And I remember thinking to myself, like, how is this even possible? Like, how is this like, how, you know, you would think that at level, like the 100 dentists would be like, oh, there's too many here. But like, honestly, it was almost like a feeding frenzy of like, this was the dental building. There were like, maybe not 200 in that building, but on that block, it was a disproportionate amount of dentists in this building. So obviously it's worked because people wouldn't just be jump throwing themselves off of a, of a, of a business cliff, if you will, and being like, Oh, well, this practice went bankrupt. Let me try. And this practice went bankrupt. Let me try. It's it, it was working in that ecosystem, in that, in that town, in that concentration. And so you're going out the same way. Like don't let concentration scare you because obviously it's worked in the past. Okay. Yeah, and if you take, if you take a step back and look at the bigger theme of what we're talking about, what you're getting at is dentists don't compete with other dentists. And that's just a, a, a one way of, of showing that you're not really competing with other dentists. So you're competing with discretionary spending of dollars. Mm -hmm. And you get into, I'll give you an example of, of us in our, our first practice was a big practice, wealthy neighborhood, middle of Houston. Um, it's, we never had employment or uh, contracts. We had a one page employment agreement, no non-compete. I'd have attorneys tell me you need a non-compete because we had multiple locations. And I fought back. It's no, we don't. I mean, people aren't leaving. I'm not competing with them. They're going to be able to move next door and set up. They won't hurt anything at all. And, and it, I have non-competes now, but I, I still believe that. I still believe you, you have non-competes now because you got hurt in that process or you no. just, you yielded to the, to the advice of the attorneys. Okay. It, because I didn't care to argue that point. I agree. I mean, I think there's something. I think once you get to a size, you can say, and it's not an arrogance and like, I'm so confident you can't you, you move across the street from me and you won't hurt me. But I think you get to a point where it's like, okay, well, like my come up was pretty hard. Meaning, you know, I had 20 year come up of me building this. But if you think you can do better than that in a few short years and, and put a dent in the practice, like that's that's fine. Go ahead and do that. Shame on me, not not shame on you, right? And, and as we all know, non-competes are very hard to enforce. So I think they're just a warm fuzzy for us to feel good that no one's sure, going to take, sure. take away our, our theft. But I, but I agree with you. I think that, look, I haven't been placed to because everyone's like, dude, you're insane not to. Why would you not do that? Because no one's going to fight you on it. 
but I, but I do totally agree with the, the sentiment there is like, it's an abundant world. I think where you were going was it's a very abundant world. Yeah. There's yeah. plenty to go around. If you've got the chops to do well, you're going to do well. If you don't, that meritocracy falls off on you, That's not me. Spot on. Yeah. So okay. I'll also throw the flip side to that too, though. Um, yes. And our second practice is on a corner, very big, well-developed corner in a suburb, seven dentists. When I went in there on that corner within that whole ecosystem of development. And, you know, you never think twice about that, that, that was a positive thing because you, you absorb all the people that are walking out of any of those practices, not to mention in that, that given area or the draw area. But if you go the extreme other side to it, I will say now, uh, if someone, you know, you've seen rural as well, but there are a lot of places where there are no dentists, those yep. demographics you listen to, that is a good place to be. So, so I love this because I feel like you and I have the chops to talk about rural stuff, right? Um, because we, we both have gone into those markets. We like them. You know, um, there's another guy that I, I that Craig always talks about is uh, Stephen Birch, who kind of says the same thing. You know, Craig always mentions him on the pod. Um, but, you know, the rural streets are where it's at, so to speak. And so tell me, tell me, unpack what you were just saying about like the absence of someone being there. What would you look at? What would you, what would you say? Holy shit. What, this is where I want to go. So I look for, and, and what I specifically started down that path, I was looking for within an hour of Houston, one, because I want to get there. Mm -hmm. And two, because it, you still have people escaping the big city, you know, urban flight into, into these markets where some of them still live there and work in, in Houston. Mm -hmm. but, and then we progress farther beyond that. But a town of say 4,000, you can very easily have, and, and, one of our practices does it has a town of 4,000 with an active patient base of 4,200. So you, right. you end up with, because You're the draw is it's a halo effect. Yeah. yeah it's, it's a huge halo and yeah. there's nobody, uh, you know, or there are very few people around. You can't service the area. The needs greatly outpace the ability uh, of any of the dentists nearby to actually do the work. So, it, it provides you with an enormous head start and an advantage in that regard to building building the practice uh, and suited my you know my my world very well of trying to treat more people because some of these people it's just so, kind of demand. So how many how many years has been have been startups and how many have been acquisitions? Obviously the, the the first practice let's call it your your father's that you then took over like that was obviously we won't count that one. But what what has been your what has been your tactical expansion approach? Has it been through acquisitions or de novos? It's been through both. And okay. our second practice, second and third actually were, were startups. Okay. So went into, um, one was an existing space, second gen space that we just moved into. Another one was rural and it was an ophthalmologist office that we went in and just bought the building or we didn't buy it, but we converted the build, uh, those ops into dental ops and then bought that later and then did a little bit more revamp to the building. Mm -hmm. But those two were startups, great options. I mean, I really enjoyed those. Um, and I would, the, we're going to try to do another one. I, I, that ends up, you know, in my world, I enjoy that. If you can, if you can suffer through the beginning and, and yep. market your way past the, the initial heartache, but the rest have been, um, more. Well, or less I like, I like what you said there. And I think that's a good thing to unpack. I want to, I want to pause here. Sure. So you're saying you like that. And you said, if you can live through the pain. And so a lot of people listening may be wondering, like, what is he talking about? Right. And so 
are, are you saying that there's more upside with a startup and it's more inexpensive potentially right from a cost perspective but you got to have staying power to be able to watch it on its come up so to speak correct versus versus plunking down i want to buy a million dollar practice for seven hundred thousand, let's just call it and then buying that cash flow right yeah, you're saying okay positives negatives to both but i get to design what i want put in what i want i can control the debt and when i go in there the growth of the revenue can grow at a, at a, a pretty pretty astounding rate on the front end and then you can dwarf the you can dwarf the debt to where your revenue to debt uh ratio becomes very positive and in your favor Mm -hmm. But you start with zero. So the yeah. day you, when you hit that that go button, you have no patience. You hire a staff that that gets paid, whether you have no patience or not, and you got to meet all the demands of of the overhead. So you got to suffer through that, whether it be through you know lines of credit or like, the as you get bigger, lots of other practices can pitch in. And there's all sorts of things you can do it, but. How much of your decision from your expansions has been predicated on information or because you've been a Texas native and your family's been a Texas native? Like there's, I guess what I'm trying to say is there is, there is Intel and there is intuition. Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, and I would say, frankly, the vast majority of where I go is off of intuition. Okay. Then it's backed up by Intel. So, so, all right. So let me push on you for a second then. Cause I like this. If, the way we started this podcast was who cares about saturation? So if you're basing all of it on mainly on intuition, like you're saying, is it a confirmational bias that numbers don't matter because you were romantically already there and you wanted the numbers to say like, who cares about the competition, no matter which way or the other, because I've, I've committed to going there in my heart and head. Sure. Yeah, I mean, right? To some extent that's true. However, okay. <laughs> the results don't lie. So in the end you build a practice, then you you've proven that that is in fact what, I would say that it's one piece of, of so many pieces of the puzzle, but you build a, a thriving practice in that area with all those things. It, it is confirmation of that. That's not necessarily part of a confirmation bias. But, I was being yeah. hard. Obviously, I don't yeah, think no, you I can fully be dogmatic one way or the other. I mean, sure. that would just be idiotic. You don't want to just open practices based on data. And you also don't want to be just leading with where you should open based on your heart. Um, but I also think that you being generationally there, you know, the, the tippets being there generationally, I think that's an advantage that let's say private equity or someone moving into town doesn't have, right? They don't have the, the, the countless decades being there to say like, this is a good area. This is growing. This is not growing. This is right. Just like I've been in Atlanta my whole life. So there were some areas I opened that on paper were like, eh, yeah, it's probably pretty saturated. Like I wouldn't open that Buckhead location in 2009, right? Cause it's pretty saturated, but like, you know, like you said, the story, the story proves, proves, proves you either correct, or I should say, or timeline proves you either correct or incorrect. Yeah, time will tell. So yeah, time will tell. Time will tell. That's a better way of saying it. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So the reason I was asking that, that question is I think that l many people are looking for many people listening to this are, are wanting to expand and they're looking for the exact methodology of that. And I think that's a hard way to say, like, here's the steps and here's how you do it. Yes, you want to quantify things with data, but a lot of times your intuition will lead you into knowing, like, what's your, what's your deep gut say? And then can you confirm that with some of the data? But don't be dissuaded by some of that data that would turn most people off, which is how we started this, is don't look at just maybe the saturation of dentists. Because I think that's where most, honestly, Trey, I think that's where most dentists go to immediately. They go to the average household income of, this, of the subject property. 
that they want to do, right? How rich is the, how rich is the surrounding area? Can the, can, can the town support the dentistry that I want to do? And then B, how many folks are already there? How many people beat me to the punch? And, and that's why I wanted to do a whole pod on this because I think that that's it's because it's so one or two in the, in the, in the decision tree for dentists to decide where they're going. I think it's so important that I like it when I hear this contrarian thought of like, keep unpacking if you really want to be there. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, and, it, and you got to remember that all the data is just an outline. You have to be able to bob and weave in and out of the outline for all those reasons. And I mean, our, the location that we have about an hour outside of Houston, one of them, it, the demographics would be terrible. You have a small yeah. town, 4,000, and there's, I mean, all of us are listed on it. So if you ran, depending on how you run your demographics, you may have, you know, 200 to one in that town. And be, but you don't realize it's only one practice. I see. So yeah, yeah, yeah. all sorts of, of ways that the dem, demographics and the data get skewed. So you got to go use intuition and just, you know, figure it out and, and start to put, put a little bit of, uh, basically you tell a story behind the data. You're trying to uncover what that story, what that story is between those numbers, behind those numbers. Mm-hmm. But it, yeah. And, and look, anyone listening to this, I would impress upon you too, that, that I think this is a, a big takeaway. I know Trey and I agree on this is, is look at the competition based on who you think you will be in the future, right? If you think you're going to be like an office, like we keep using the Craig Spodek example, if that's the model you want to build, how many are there just like that already? Because that's your true competition, right? And you hate to think that like other dentists are your competition because we want to be like kumbaya and all hold hands together. But at the end of the day, like we are running independent businesses of each other. And as much as we want to help each other out, which I'm sure we do, and I'm glad we do. I mean, there are times when you you do want that collaborative experience, and that, but but at the end of the day, it, there, there's only so many people that you can serve, meaning in a town. So it does become competition to it in a sense. Um, so looking at your true competition, right? Not just the numbers of people who are holding a dental license. Yeah, that's, that's a very good point. That's a very good point. Okay, buddy, anything else to add? I like, I want, I like to kind of, I want to keep this, uh, this I'm, I'm envisioning this as a YouTube thumbnail and it's going to have your face and just it's saying like who cares about saturation <laughs> so i don't want to keep going into different topics here so no it's I want, fair yeah i want to i want to wrap it unless you've got anything just sensational to add i would no that's for that's left for another one that's left right, for another one I think this, this is a good way to do it thank good you for uh thank you for spending the afternoon here buddy and, and joining I gave, you, I gave you a, a short the shortest uh, heads up in history and i appreciate you doing that and uh, uh, but that's what's having hey when you have ultimate freedom like you, right? You, you've worked yourself into having, doing what you want, when you want, with who you want. Careful what things. you ask for. Be careful. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody, we'll see you next time. <laughs>